the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We call these little verbal etudes to which I subject you Sunday after Sunday sermons. Those of you who know what a sermon can possibly be, and I am one of those, realize that we use the term rather euphemistically in an optimistic way. But I come back every Sunday to deliver them and you come back to hear them. So here we are. What you may not know is that each sermon that I offer to you has a title. The titles vary from Sunday to Sunday, but they give to me a kind of cue to the focus, if I may use that word, the thematic uh, load which I am trying to find in my peregrinations. The title for today's sermon is Requiem. It comes from a Latin word for rest, which connotes the final rest to which all souls who are called by Jesus look forward to. We find it in uh, phrases from the Requiem Mass, the setting of the ordinary of the Mass, the propers for that service, celebrating the dead, in which uh, we wish the dead to have peace. Requiescat in pace, we sing. And we also find the words in the original text of the collect we heard today, which is from St. Augustine, from his confessions, I believe, in which he remarks that the restless heart which is made for God only finds its peace in God. The peace of God, then, is the core of the Requiem and the core of what we're looking at today. But to get there, we have to go the long way because the first texts that we receive are anything but pacific. He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons, our Lord says. And then again, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him." End quote. The readings, in other words, with their explicit violence from the mouth of our Lord himself are among the most daunting in the New Testament. And the church receives them in her Sunday lectionary at the conclusion of what has been, for many, a very daunting week, at least in this country. Most daunting is not what has happened or even what we must do in the present to deal with it so that we can, scare quotes, put it behind us and get on with our lives, perhaps littering the statute books with a few extra clauses, confident in the connection that scare quote, this must never happen again, but brooding over the unspoken but always enacted truth that something like this will happen again and again and again. 
Law enforcement fears copycat killings more than anything else in the wake of the violence in Vegas. And what happens in Vegas will not stay in Vegas. And we have no way of knowing where it will go next. But given the relative ease with which a single human being was able to plan and execute, this is the mot juste, execute the shooting or killing of one person per second for the better part of 10 minutes straight, unhindered and uninterrupted, and with devices which were legally acquired and which were designed and manufactured precisely for the purpose for which they were used, which is to kill human beings, we should be moved to gratitude that this sort of thing doesn't happen every single day, for it very well could. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Perhaps if the son of the master of the house had been forewarned, he would also have been forearmed, we like to think, forearmed. But conceal and carry was not Jesus' style, or was it? Given the power of his words to bring about that which they pronounce, one might say that anyone who carried a stick as big as that could speak as softly as he wished. The biggest threats in today's texts come from the psalmist and from the prophet. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The reference here is not just to Psalm 118, but through it to the book of the prophet Daniel, chapter 2, with its account of that great multi-storied metallic idol struck by a stone on its feet of iron and claw and broke in pieces. And I quote, then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all together broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth, end quote. In this, a dream given to a king, the power of the kingdom of God to overpower all human kingdoms is revealed. The king grasps its wisdom, but not for long. Now, Jesus is making the same point to the chief priests and the Pharisees. They don't get it as usual. They know he's talking to them, about them, but they don't know what he means. We should not be quick to blame them. The solitary gunman who perched himself 300 feet in the air, ensconced in his golden tower, and rained down death and destruction on innocent victims, turning his own dreams into nightmare reality, and theirs, was simply sacrificing his humanity, the powerlessness and weakness which he felt so acutely to demonstrate another power at work in him. Or so we speculate. We shall never know. We shall never get answers to what drove him to do this until we start asking some real questions. And I see no sign of that. 
we are quick to say that the power which moved him and pl to plan and execute such a scheme with such consummate care was not that of God. But the previous weeks have been full of death and destruction raining down from the heavens, acts of God, all taking their own toll from the Caribbean to the Gulf Coast. It would be impertinent to say that the gunmen then had divine inspiration, impertinent but not inaccurate. The difference being that wrath is one of the many attributes of God that he has no desire whatsoever to share with us. He does not invite his creatures to emulate. Indeed, he does not invite us to emulate any of his attributes, as long as we see him primarily in terms of power and glory. Of these things, he is a very jealous God. If we envision a God whose chief attribute is love, however, we have no limit on our invitation to imitate and emulate. Of such aspirations for us, he is very zealous, like a loving parent for his children, who wants from them and for them nothing but the best. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. The word here translated all things means all things. It means the best that we can offer and the worst, all equally considered. The word here translated rubbish or trash is a euphemism for something else. Use your imagination. The apostle wants there to be no misunderstanding where all the best that we offer and all the worst end up. Whatever we gain, however high we sit in our golden towers, however high we climb on the ladders of success, we stand on feet of clay, unless those feet have first been shattered by the stone that the builders rejected, unless and until we have seen every ambition and idol in our hearts pulverized, everything we sought for good or ill revealed to be the chaff that it is not the wheat that we imagine is sustaining us. The righteousness from God depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In these parts, we want to move on to resurrection right away. That would be a mistake. The lure of power and glory is too much for more mere mortals to resist, and God knows that too well. 
Yet we are creatures born with a disposition for that God position, with a God-sized, God-shaped emptiness at the core of our being, a hunger for God that only God can satisfy, but that we will use anything that we can get our hands on to attempt to satisfy. Augustine's famous phrase, Feciste nos ad te domine, et inquietum es cor nostrum donec requiescat in te. You have made us for you, Lord. And our heart, notice here, our heart singular. Us as a part of the body of Christ, as members of which of that body of which he is the head, our heart is disquieted until it shall rest, requiescat, as in in pace, but here in te, in thee, familiar. This is a beautiful invitation, a beautiful promise of the assurance of God's gift of grace, his gift of faith, of his favor which is for us utterly unmerited that he offers us in his gospel. Our response to this gracious invitation, this is the heir, come let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So the Lord who made us for himself is the same Lord who is nearest to the eyes and ears of our heart and our understanding when he is staked to a cross stuck in the ground. Whether we want such a God is another thing. But the God who made us will not stand idly by and let us make him over and over and over again in our own image. He will draw us too out beyond the walls to our own crosses, each and every one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He goes to the cross to demonstrate not the worst that God can do to him, God forbid, not the worst that he can do to us, God forbid, but the worst that we can do and have done to one another and to him. And he does so to show in all of this his solidarity with victims. And that would be all of us. And his indifference to victors, and that would be none of us. To those who sought their spoils on the top of that great dung heap of Western civilization. His heart was with them, the victims, and with those who rushed to help them, risking and giving their lives for one another on that killing field in Las Vegas, and that one victim of the shooter's rage who lay alone on the 32nd floor of that hotel. He was with him, too. Did the shooter know it? I rather doubt it, but I don't know. He was with all those then, victims, those who loved and showed it, and those for whom it all happened so fast they had time for neither. His love was there, and no power on earth 
can take that love away. Amen. Please stand.